0: Our scripture reading for today comes from 2 Corinthians 5, verses 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For the sake he made him to be no sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank
1: you. All right, we're in our series second week of uh, a marriage. Our series a redo of I do. I'm not going to qualify and intro everything. I did that last week, so. Uh, I'm not going to do it. Let's just look at some funny tweets, okay? Uh, Let's look at some marriage tweets. Here's one. Uh, Wife, I just wish you would open up and tell me what you're thinking. Me, okay. In the $1.50 Costco hot dog combo, do you think the hot dog is $1 and the drink is 50 cents or both 75? Okay. Let's go to the next one. Um, This is the wife now. I'm the kind of wife who will help my husband look for his chocolate that I ate. (laughs) I'm not, yeah, next one. I I offer no commentary. Uh, You can tell your husband exactly where to go in your purse, and he will bring the entire purse back to you. I find that true to life. Next, I did offer commentary. I thought I was mad at my wife for eating the last piece of cheesecake, but I realized that I'm not mad because she said so. (laughs) And next one. Uh, At dinner tonight, my husband used the term, exigent circumstances in, like, regular conversation. Don't tell me romance is dead. (laughs) All right. I think that's apropos of nothing. Just some funny tweets, marriage tweets. All right, look, I have one aim for this segment. Segment number two. I have one aim for uh, this part. And uh, tonight, I would like to um, softly, uh, gently with as much care as possible, uh, kill your marriage this afternoon, okay? That's what I want to do. Um, if you're not married, then I want to kill your idea of marriage. I want to kill it. I think it needs to die. Uh, so this, is, this is youth. If you're divorced, remarried, still married, doesn't matter. Um, I want to be your Jack Kevorkian spirit guide to, in killing your marriage for you. Um, some of you are like, Jack, Jack Kevorkian? <laughs> I don't even know who Jack Kevorkian is. Uh, our generation gets it. Uh, look it up. Google it. Google it. Uh, but this is what I want to do tonight. Really two main points before we head to our table and time of communion. And those two points are, are this. is I, I do think we need to understand what the biblical uh, teaching is on the death and resurrection. And uh, not, first it's truth, and then the principle working out from that truth, the death and resurrection, on top of our marriages. Um, the second thing is I want to apply that. You can, you can apply the death and resurrection of Jesus to thousands of things in your life. But what I'm going to do is overlay it on top of marriage only tonight. Otherwise, it'll be, it'll, we'll, we'll be here forever. And then in our communion time, I want to talk about um, the necessary hope that we have in Jesus because of our dead marriages that I've just killed. Okay? Uh, so let's do this. Let's jump into our passage, and I call this section, um, Cosmetics Don't Make a Cadaver Breathe. And this is going to be from 2 Corinthians 5. Um, and and let's, I, I really want to jump into the text and do a brief explanation, explanation of it, and then we'll, just, we'll charge forward. Um, but look at verse 16. Uh, from now on, this is Paul's from now on, therefore... We regard no one according to the flesh, talking about Jesus' resurrection, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. So from now on, um, this is the first little point here in this biblical teaching is um, you've heard this phrase from me, when I look at my spouse and when you look at your spouse or I look at any other person, uh, I'm thinking this, greater is the spirit in you than the flesh that I now see. Greater is the spirit in you than the flesh that I now see. Because the flesh that I now see is fooling me. And, and I think it's all about the flesh. But greater is the spirit in you than the flesh that I now see. And that's what Paul says. We're not going to regard people just according to the flesh any longer because of Jesus' resurrection. Okay. Next part of our teaching. Uh, verse 17. Why is he going so fast? Because you're looking at your clock too, aren't you? All right. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, there's a big condition there. If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. The new has come. So here's, here it is, um, and we're going to cover this later, but, but let's just sum up. If you are in Jesus, we, the, the old is gone, and we're only talking about new. Verses 18 and 19. I'm going to come back to that. Um, This is is important. All this is from God. So, so talking about um, this newness of life, um, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. There's a lot there. Strap in here. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So um, this God stuff is this, is that we are reconciled to God. And now reconciliation is kind of our thing because he's reconciled us, us to him Reconciliation horizontally to other people—that—that becomes our thing. That's what Paul Paul says when he entrusts that message to us. So he did that for me. Um, This is what. Let me just paraphrase it this way: God is saying to you, and I'm going to say, "May I be so bold to say tonight is what you have experienced in your heart with me. It is now your mission." to have others around you experience that very same thing. You've experienced it here, now I want others to experience it around you, okay? And and I would just put parenthetically, why not start with the most intimate relationships around you? Why not start there? Okay, verse 20 and 21, just biblical teaching now, and then we'll, we'll do the application. Paul says, okay, therefore, because of that, You reconcile to God. You have this ministry of reconciling to other people. Because of that, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you, this is Paul speaking on behalf of uh, 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 the apostles. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be no sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So here's the fourth part of that biblical teaching, and I think it's really important, is the biggest issue about your marriage is that it's not about your marriage. It's not. Paul tells us this. Look, your marriage is now, because you've been reconciled to God and he's entrusted you to be like, okay, now whatever you do, you have this this ministry of reconciliation with everyone around you, your most intimate relationships. Now, now my marriage is not mine. Now, all it is is this sub-picture of what God wants you to do with it. So your marriage is not about yourself. You've, You've lost your marriage. It now belongs to, oh, like that's just a vehicle for a ministry of reconciliation. So even our marriages are not about themselves. They just become a picture of God and his work. So um, the most foundational thing, and this is what Paul says in verses 20 and 21, the most foundational thing about your marriage is this, and my marriage is this, is a lack of confusion about how you became good. L- let, me, let me connect it for you. So if, if I think, hey, I am good with God because I've been pretty good, do you know what my ministry of reconciliation to my wife is gonna look like? Well, if you also perform pretty decently and are good, then you and I are good too. Right? There's a direct connection to how I think I am reconciled, to how what I extend that reconcilia- ministry of reconciliation to my wife. Let me do another one. Um, if I think, look, um, I have sacrificed so much for you, God. Don't you see all these things, all these little little, little things I've given up for you? And because of that, you kind of owe me a pretty decent turn. Right? What is my reconciliation of ministry—a ministry of reconciliation—going to look like to my wife? You guys can do that logical progression and be like, "Oh, I am going to be bitter and mad and confused at my wife when I serve her over and over and give up all this stuff. And let's say she doesn't respond with gratitude and oh, thank you, and here's a back rub." Then I'm going to get all bitter mad because what? Oh, I think that's how my reconciliation with God has been. So there's a direct connection of how you view you've been reconciled. And that's why Paul says this. My end point, Paul says, is therefore be reconciled to God. Like before we start talking about all this other stuff, oh, yeah, get that right. And then it will reflect how you're made right with God to your spouse All right, that's the briefest scope of our passage, but I want to zoom in on something I didn't really cover a lot. And when Paul says this, the old has passed away. The old has passed away. Um, Right now, we've only got newness in Jesus. The old has passed away. If you guys remember in uh, John 3, um, don't you think that's what Nicodemus was struggling with? He asked this really basic question. He goes, just tell me what I need to do to be saved. Just tell me what I need to do to patch things up and make things right. Just tell me what I have to... Do we remember what Jesus, his conversation with Nicodemus on the rooftop at night, because Nicodemus doesn't want to be the same around this Jesus guy. Do you remember what, he, he said, oh, Nicodemus, Nicodemus, guess what? Like, we can't patch stuff up. This is a paraphrase, by the way. You're like, I can't see this in John 3, but you can. Just try it if you want to go to John 3. What does he tell Nicodemus you've got to actually be born anew. Like, there's no fixing stuff up. And, and, and Nicodemus, that kind of, that jars him a little bit. He's like, what? how can I, how can I be in my mother's womb again? Like, uh, what? this is craziness. And Jesus says, the newness I am talking about is so new that you cannot do it. The Spirit does it. It is so brand new. It is so utterly different and better. Only the Spirit can do it, and you can't, Nicodemus. You cannot do this thing. That's why I'm going to call it something brand new. The old Nicodemus has to pass away, and the Spirit of God has to start something new, and you can't do it. That's what I want to talk about. Um, I get this from Paul Miller's book. This is um, I commend this to you. It's called A Praying Life by Paul Miller, and he has this thing that he calls the J curve. And uh, it's called the J curve. You can put it up there on the slide. It's called the J curve because it looks like a J. Like you thought, oh, maybe it means Jesus. No, it just it's a curve that looks like a J. That's all we have here tonight. Okay. And so, so this is this is um, how Paul Miller describes a, a, a curve, and he says you're going to experience this J curve in um, in a new job, in, in a friend relationship, in a new project, in in a new a, a place you move that's new. You're gonna you're gonna experience this J curve thousands upon thousands upon thousands of times in a normal lifetime. So let's look at that J curve. The first thing that happens is this. Is um, and I'll you get a new job. You get a new job. It's really cool. The people seem uh, 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 the reason why you took the job is everyone's locked in and there's collaboration and there's there's a purpose and yes, it's this meaningful thing that we're all that this team is working for and they pay me well and I have benefits for the first time in my life plus dental. It's just wonderful. Everyone's just like whoa, okay, this is great. And when you do when you start something new and I, I, this has happened to me like starting a church plant, there is a lot of excitement with the idealism of big ideas going places, going to do this, going to do that. We're going to be like this. We're, it's, it's new and exciting. And that unleashes a, quite a bit of uh, dynamism and, and catalyst towards actually beautiful things happening. Um, when you get your job, at your new job, there are a lot of things that happen. All right, next thing. But there comes a point is after that first initial thing of excitement, there's, there's things. And it can be this weird passive-aggressive email from a coworker. That's all it takes. And you're like, ding, Huh. That was weird. And the boss backs them up, and you're like, huh, first red flag. That's kind of weird. Like, but but you're still kind of excited, and it's only one red flag, because who hasn't written a passive aggressive email, right? Yeah, it's not, it's not a big deal. And then what what happens are the cracks and the cracks and the cracks and the cracks, and it gets worse, and there's hurt upon hurt that's not handled. And then what happens to the next one? Let's go to the next one. Is the dream dies. You're like, oh this place is the worst place in the world to work at. This, like, this is, this is dumb. I'm gonna go find another place, right? And, and so, a lot of times, is we'll, we'll abandon something, um, but, but, but Paul's talking about, okay, what does that look like in a redeemed way? And the next one is, okay, um, there's this new thing that happens, and you can do the slide, uh, Um What happens in a Jesus following life is that um, the, there's resurrection from this dead thing that needs to die. And whatever is new is new, but it's totally different from the imaginations that we had when it was new and exciting. And Paul Miller says, you and I go through this J-curve just on all different categories of our lives. What does that sound like? You guys have been around here a lot, or if, if you have some theological acumen, whatever it is, what does that look like? Go to the next one, Vicente. Um, uh, what does that sound like? Oh... We're reenacting the entire point of huma- the whole story of humanity. Oh, there was this time where it was designed, and, and we, had the, we were in the Garden of Eden, and it was perfect, and there was all these amazing things. And then, oh, yeah, then brokenness and the fall, and sin entered into the equation. And then we have to wait for redemption. And then there's a renewal of the thing. And we're longing for full, complete restoration at the end of days. So um, it, whether it's a J-curve or, or creation, um, fall, redemption, renewal, restoration, that's the big story. And this is what I want to tell you. That was a lot. You're like, a lot of J-curve, a lot of, I don't know. This is what I want to say. Our marriages are simply playing that story out. Okay? Okay? I hate to tell you this, and you guys know me enough to know, no, he kind of likes it. Um, Killing your marriage, or the idea of marriage, oh, that's not unique. This, This is normal. This is normal. Now, notice I didn't say good. I just said it was Normal. Some of the problem for us tonight, and please hear my heart here, um, is that we thought we could avoid the story. We thought, oh, you know, like, maybe we'd dodge it somehow. Maybe we dodge the story. Maybe it would come down to like, um, listening really, really hard at conferences, right? To, to, so that won't ever happen in my marriage. Scribble, scribble, scribble. Fill up just notebooks of. All right, I'll just pay attention. I'll make really good choices. Um, I'll be watchful, and 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 also that's why I'm going to wait to find the right person, and and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to take care. I mean, I will I will I will Google schedule date nights. That, yeah 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 I'll make sure of that and then I'll read another article and I'll be like hey top 5 things to do for a healthy marriage and I'm like okay okay I'm going to bake them in now like like we think we're going to dodge the story and I love you and I I hopefully love my own me and my own story it's like we can't dodge the story we can't you guys can't dodge the j curve in the story of creation to restoration okay um now let's apply that idea, and I think we've already been doing this, but, but let me, I, I, I want to enter in because your life and my stories, they, they do overlap, okay? So let's apply some of this death and resurrection to our marriage. Um, uh, like, go back to when you, go back to when there was fire between y'all. <laughs> I don't know, I guess I'm a Southern preacher now. Like come on guys, you get the thrill, you get the excitement, the passion, that's the genesis. It was two of you against everybody. The thing that imagination and expectations that you had, and the promises that you had, and, and this is the amazing thing, is whatever you guys were, It was like to this, like wherever we're going, we are doing it together, babe. Like you're there with me, I'm there with you. Uh, It's incredible. Like we're going to this amazing place. All right, now this is it. This is the red flags in marriages is that, whoa, they had some emotional baggage I had no idea about. Right? When we first got married, um, I'm going to tell you, I handed, all right, I came from a highly undisciplined financial background. <laughs> it's a nice way of saying um, we were poor and we didn't know what to do with money. Um, and I handed Melissa this folder of collector bills, and she was like, and I had never told her about that? Like, we got some, we got some consumer debt? Now, just take that practical, physical example. <laughs> and overlay it on all of our emotional crud, right? That's, we, we are metaphorically handing over a folder to our spouse of just like, oh yeah, um, there's all this, sorry I didn't tell ya. Okay, they got comfortable, you got comfortable, you revealed more of yourself, you noticed more, um, and but this is, is the stresses increased the stress has increased. And I'm gonna cover this a little in a, another segment um, later on, but, but here's a good phrase for you. Um, I got from our friend Esther Lee, she's a counselor. Um, she says this, she says, the disaster outside of me brought out the disaster inside of me. And that's a really handy way to describe what's happened. When, when, when we started to experience stresses as couple, a lot of that stuff came out. Because what was our go-to in handling those stresses? Well, it, it, I mean, these are all classic. You guys are like, yeah, check, check, check. It's either numbing, it's either lashing out, it's either hyper-control, anxiety. Like, all of us have, uh, have fragments of this, so you're like, yeah, 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 I'll, I'll finish your list for you, Tim. You get it, I don't have to do that for you. Um, well, the cracks deepened, and you realize, okay, we're never going... When the cracks deepen, all of us know this intuitively, oh, we will never, ever, ever recover dating, period. Like, I, I think you guys get that. I don't have to sell you on that. Um, it can't be reset. Um, do you guys notice all these people buying nostalgic old toys from their childhood, like It'd be for me. It'd be like '80s, '90s stuff, and it's almost like, hey, maybe if I buy these toys, it will bring my this imagined childhood, and like somehow I can sort of relive it. Um, I mean, we've read The Great Gatsby. <laughs> we know, oh, buddy, you're not recovering the green light at the end of the t-. like. Oh man, you can't go back. You can't reset. You can't go back to your childhood, buddy. And we know that when we read the great American novel. No one's going back to how it used to be. And this is it, is you're never gonna be married to the same person. I'm changing, my wife is changing, your spouse is, like you're never gonna be married to the same person, ever. There's this counseling accusation, like I've been in counseling with couples, and, and there's this accusation that comes up, and I, I, for, I forgive them, but like, you know what I'm saying? They say, they, say, they changed. <sighs> well, well, yes, uh, gardens grow. Like, like uh, they, that's not, you're not telling me much, but they say it like an accusation, like they should have stayed the same, and they're not the same, but they're like, but they should have stayed the same. Uh, you can never go back. We know this. Um, this is the idea of the old has passed away, and the new lies before us. You can't reset things in your marriage. You can't. Um, things have changed. Okay, I have a friend I met on the west side of L.A. His name's Eric Hessa, and he uh, he paints. Um, it's the most ancient form of painting, but they do it with uh, wax. And so it's called encaustic painting, melted wax. And he creates these big canvases. Um, and I'll show you some of them just to give you some context. Uh, this was his L.A. period. He's in, Vincent. Um, uh, go one more, another one. There we go. Um, so so he, he was in LA, he has this LA period. He's in France right now uh, doing a, a study. He's just a, this talented painter. And so, um, and I love, you guys know I love art, design, whatever it is. So um, we've kept up this relationship. I've gone to his studio. Um, we write uh, handwritten letters to each other. Um, and really, I'm doing it because I'm kind of a fan and I want to pick up some of the scraps. Uh, because his encaustic paintings are anywhere from like seven grand to fifty grand, so like I know like I'm I can't get in the game, okay? But there is a way I can get in the game. And after but, go, go to the next one, I'll just show you. This is like some some LA stuff. Now these are huge. They're like uh, something like that's like ten feet by by whatever. Um, go to the next one. We'll show the rest of them. This is LA period. Is that it? Is that all I have? Okay. Um, but before he gets to one of these huge paintings that cost a lot of money, um, you guys might know this in art, is he has studies, and they're sketch studies. So on every painting, he might have over 20 sketch studies of what he wants to do. Um, and, and, uh, and then he'll move to watercolor, and he'll say, okay, I, get, I want the coloration of that thing, um, of my vision of the sketches. So he could have anywhere from half a dozen to a dozen watercolors, and that's where Tim Lee gets in the game. I'm like, oh, I can get the watercolors now. I can get the sketches. But they're almost worthless to him. They're worthless. They're almost worthless because he says, if I want to get to the painting, they got to go. I've done it. I've worked it out in my head. The old has to pass away. The old has to pass away. I'm going new. And so when we talk, I'm just like, "Yeah, this would be great to get this water." I'm a collector. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a collector of water. Color. Oh, that man. We ain't. We're not talking about that. We're not talking about that. This is a great illustration. If you want to get to the most amazing thing, you got to get rid of the old. You got to get rid of the old. Say, I can't go back. I can't go back. We're going that way. All right, for newness to. For Jesus's new newness to occur, something has to die. I'm just, we cannot patch up deadness in our marriage. It has, that old marriage that we had has to die. It has to be reborn. It has to be new. So um, let's talk about this new part in that J curve. So there you are, you're admitting to each other. I don't even know if it's on the, in the car on the way home. And you're like, yeah, what if our, let's just kill our marriage. Or, or it could be where you're admitting to each other, yeah, we kind of know it's dead already, don't we? Yeah. Might be grunts. I don't know. Um, but it could be, do you want to kill it tonight? Let's just go get something to eat real quick and kill it. Let's kill the old. Um, now what happens? Um, I, have to, I have to do this. The young Tim, the young Melissa, oh, they're dead. They're dead. Um, I grew up in a church, EV3 Fullerton, it's a big church. Um, uh, Chuck Swindoll was there and there's a guy that's been on staff there, Dave Carter, and he's like the marriage guru guy. And all the broken marriages go to Dave Carter and he's written books and he's a pro. Um, And Dave says this, he says there is, and and he's talking about radically broken marriages to those who just want to work on, he goes, guess what? Um, There's only a new thing, you could never try to patch the old. That's years and years of marital counseling wisdom from Dave Carr. There is only, if it's gonna work, if there's only a new thing. We're not gonna talk about the old. I mean, uh, let me put a caveat. There are some things where you talk about, but I'm saying as a marriage, there's only a new thing. But this is the thing, is it's unknown. Why is it unknown? Because it's no longer my imagination or my wife's imagination. It's God's imagination of where it will go. How frightening is that? It's frightening if you don't think God is good. It's exhilarating and full of possibility and hope if you think that God-man is steering the ship together. Now... um, That new unknown is beautiful, and here are some conditions I'm going to put. There's more, but if you are in deep relationship in a communal way outside of your marriage, and that could be a counselor, it could be a therapist, it could be another couple, it could, it could be the community, but I'm just saying, if there is not deep walking in community, toward like, I, it's going to be very difficult for you guys to work that out. I'm just going to be very plain. If both parties are willing to say, I want this newness where we're going with you, I want it with you. If both parties are willing to trust that God is moving and guiding and steering the ship, if um, both parties rely first and heavily on God reconciling them to them, themselves, or themselves being reconciled to God. A lot of conditions there, but, but there's hope. Before life, before the truest version of life, death first. Jesus taught us that. Let's pray into that, and we'll move into our time at the table. Um, our, our Father and our God, um, uh, I, uh, this can sound very miserable, talking about death and killing men, but it, 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 it's not miserable if we, you, we believe that you make things new. And that you bring the dead to life. If we believe in your resurrection power. Like, uh, so, Jesus, there's a lot of doubt and mistrust in our own hearts of this truth. And there's a lot of doubt and mistrust in our hearts towards our, our, our mates and, and our spouses and our exes, even, and our whatever the case may be. And we're asking you to put to death our imaginations and bring to life something that goes to something more beautiful. Jesus, we ask you to do this in your name, amen.